This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. How does it work? You pick two to six players and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Didn't get your picks in before the game started? No problem. You can get in the game for the second half. Sign up today using promo code FOOTBALL and get your first deposit instantly matched up to $100. Go to pricepicks.com or download the mobile app and enter code FOOTBALL to get your deposit match. Some restrictions do apply. See the website for details. Forestieri. Here's Hogg. Dini! Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. You're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. My name's Justin. And I'm Carl. And we're joined this time by Jay Demerit. Warning, there is some strong language in this podcast. Tonight we're joined by Jay Demerit. I say tonight, but of course it's uh, an eight-hour time difference between where we are and where Jay is. So good morning, Jay Demerit. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great, gentlemen. I'm glad to. Uh, I'm glad to have got you just before the crack of noon here in Canada. <laughs> I hope you've had a good breakfast, Jay. I have, yeah, a couple of poached eggs. It was, uh, you know, very, very English of, of me, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to talk. Put it that way. Good That's stuff. Good well, it's it's amazing to have you on, and um, you know, in these times at the moment with, with COVID all over the world, uh, any story that we can have that is uplifting and and brings a bit of light is welcome and your story is is one of those that is everything that and more it's you know it's an incredible rise from very very low down in the in the league but having a dream and having the passion and belief to get there and and never giving up and that's incredible so the more that we the more stories we can get on like that the better I think 100% you know and and again that's you know I've I've been doing a lot of these over the COVID time but again what I learned in in Rise and Shine and and kind of where my purpose is now and sharing this story is 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 exactly that you know it's, it's it's stories that need to be told and you know, if I'm, I, I get to be the fortunate one to get to tell it, then lucky me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, if we go back to uh, your early days, uh, you were born and raised in Wisconsin. 
Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, I was I was a Wisconsin born guy, you know, famously the Green Bay Packers is my is, is where I was birthed into. It wasn't the terraces at Manchester United, it was the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. <laughs> <laughs> is where uh, is is where I I, I kind of grew up. Again, I grew up a football kid, a basketball kid. Uh, I played soccer as well, of course, and 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 but my dad was a track coach and my grandma was a, a track coach. So I grew up in a, in a very athletic family. I wasn't I wasn't an you know, an academy product by any means. I was playing four sports a year and, and, and really just staying busy. Both my parents were gym teachers. So, you know, athletics and, and, and just being around sports was, was, was always just a part of my upbringing. And, you know, I was kind of one of those kids that was an athlete first and, and, and really became, uh, uh, you know, more of a subjective, you know, footballer later, uh, you know, and, and again, I, I think it served me in the end, but it definitely made the road to get there a little bit harder. Yeah. That, I mean, just looking back that, that where you're, you know, where the geography starts for you in the sense of where you, where you were raised, everything was against... Uh, I'm going to have to get used to saying soccer tonight, guys, aren't I? You are. Because we're going to get confused. <laughs> no, I, can get, I, I know the football lingo. Okay, I can, that's I, right. Yeah, I can, you're, I can you're, jam with that. You're no okay problem. with that. So, yeah, yeah. So, so where you're based is, is completely against soccer because you have American football over there and, and, and like you say, a huge team in, in and around the area. So the fact that you actually even got to play in England let alone you know over there is probably something and um, I I think that makes your story more incredible because of those situations as well as the fact that you know the journey that you went through and and, and so forth what's the what's the take on when you were younger on on football in England or across Europe was it were people interested in it I know you played it but was it one of those sports that it was forced upon you you had to play it or there was a there was a lot of activity around it um I mean I think everyone knew I I mean again especially at that time the MLS was of course started the nearest MLS team to Wisconsin was Chicago so again the nearest football team that was a professional team was three and a half hours away from where I lived yeah so again there wasn't much of a kind of in stand type of uh, uh, it's type of environment, but you know, again, the TV wasn't where it was either. You know, now I can watch any Premier League game around uh, on TV, uh, you know, in America or in Canada. But back then, I couldn't. You know, big games would have might have you know might have been on ESPN. Or I remember the first time watching a Liverpool game when they had candy across their chests, and that was kind oh, of wow. my first recollection yeah. of when I saw that there was like really you know, popular NFL type stadium somewhere else in the world that were actually built around soccer. So that was kind of my first peak interest. But, you know, when I have an 80,000 seat stadium, not far from my house, but it's American football, that was kind of my cathedral. So I didn't really follow it um, to the level until I kind of, well, I always say, you know, England really taught me about the culture of the game. You know, I, I yeah. knew what soccer was. I played it. I played football. But at the end of the day, I didn't know the culture of it until I got to England. You know, again, that was QPR Loftus Road, my first game as I came over. <laughs> at, at QPR Tranmere was was the game. Oh, and wow. I, I remember well. I, would, I just landed. <laughs> and again, you know, to answer your question, fast forward, I, I go from Green Bay to Chicago. Um, I, I get a, a very small scholarship and, and I go to school for design. So, you know, again, I didn't know at the time that I would even make it professional. I didn't really even have that dream at that time. I, I was just a, a young division one NCAA player going to try to see if I was good enough. And, and, and at the end of that day, you know, I, I got four good years of playing against good players down in the big city of Chicago. So it really, until I was 18, I didn't really get tested against good players to know that I was any good, in, in all honesty. And so that's that kind of started the whole mindset. 
And then so I, I didn't really play football on a day-to-day basis until I was, you know, 18 plus. You know, that was when I went to university, started going to a bigger city and then to university where I was actually a student athlete, where I had a center I could go play and I could go play with my teammates. And then that got me to go, you know, play every every day. And that was the first time I had done that. So that was kind of the baptism of, can I be any good at this at 18? So if you, as you imagine, I'm a little bit behind the eight ball at this point. Just a little yeah, bit, yeah. yeah. And, and you were a stri- you were striker, weren't you? Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I got recruited to, to, to university as, as a forward. Um, in a way, again, I, uh, I always allude to the other sports that I played, but in, in, in basketball, I was kind of the defensive maestro. I would, uh, I would be the guy that would go out. I was just little. I, would only, I was 5'7 until I was 17 years old. So, um, you know, I would, I would go out and I'd be this little gnat on a basketball court, and I would, I would just annoy their scorer. And, 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 you know, defense, I didn't know this at the time in relation to football, but, you know, defense first and foremost is a mentality. It's just a, a willingness to go out there and compete and try to shut people down and, and do that thing. And basketball taught me that. And I didn't really have to use it until I got my first year at, at university playing football. And they're like, hey, uh, we got a red card and, a, and an injury to two defenders. Do you, you know, I was a freshman. I, I was I was a new guy. Get, I just wanted that, to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want Do you want to, you look like a good athlete. I can see you're not very good at football yet. How have you ever tried to play defender before? <laughs> and so that, that's kind of how it's started and then I just you know again I was a, a green-eared freshman that just wanted to play and wanted to you know play with you know test myself as I always tried to do and um, and that's kind of why I said yes and and, and before I knew it uh, you know I had played the three games in that first preseason tournament as an 18 year old and realized that, that, that in three games I had been playing out of position for 19 years. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Having watched Rise and Shine I realized that you didn't come over to the UK alone you came over with your friend Kieran. He's from a British family, and you you came over with him and lived with Kieran over here. That's right. Yeah, he lived in uh, he lived in Southall Town when actually when I um, when I moved over there, and, and and his dad lived in Chicago, so that's what brought Kieran to Chicago the year before. Gotcha. Okay. And so Kieran was it was it was a great footballer, and, and and I played with him in Chicago that whole summer, previous summer. And so as that summer ended, he says, oh, I'm going back to the UK to live with my mom. And, you know, as, as the story goes, you know, I had very limited opportunity. I was finishing school. I had a couple second division USL, you know, walk-ons. And, 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 and then Kieran says, well, why don't you come to the UK? You know, if you got to do it, uh, you know, I, I know some people there. We could start at the bottom of the barrel. But, you know, for me... I was finishing university. I was getting a degree, you know, and when you get that, you, you know, as anyone does, you want to travel, you want to go see the world, you want to go kind of take that gap year, you know, to before you get into real life, so to speak. So I was at that crossroads. I was just like, okay, well, I have an opportunity, a roof over my head to go live and potentially try to play in, you know, the biggest soccer football jungle in the world you know why wouldn't i do that you know what i mean you know if i I can go sit around the doldrums of the third division of a crappy u.s soccer system you you know what i mean or i can go you know try to shoot for the stars and get some life experience and you know none of that works out i'll just go be a designer at a cool design company that's kind of where my mindset was and and, and so that's kind of what allowed me to have the freedom of, of, of going and trying to give it a shot. You know, again, but, I didn't have pressure on me to go be a pro somewhere. It was kind of like I had to take it upon myself because the pro game said I wasn't good enough. <laughs> True. But I would, what, I would what have loved to have been in the room when you had that conversation with your parents, though. <laughs> well, the good thing was is that, you know, they, 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 they kind of always had my thirst for, uh, for, for adventure. So they, you know, they, I, I just finished a good college career. So they were actually quite supportive. Well, at least for the first year that I went over with, yeah. the, the, yeah. as, as I came back, 
back for that first year, still with no contract in the UK. Then she started to ask some serious questions about where I was going with my life. But, uh, you know, thankfully, I ended up making the right decisions in the end. I've seen that you just sort of started knocking on doors of all sorts of clubs saying, here I am, can I have a trial, basically? You were just sort of knocking on doors and trying to get games. Yeah, I had a, I had a little a European almanac, and 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 uh, before Kieran and I set out on our European adventure, you know, we 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 sat down, and back then it was internet cafes. No one had internet at their houses, so we would go to the internet cafe, and and we would go and and try to find the teams in the area. Nice was running a, running a flight sale on EasyJet, um, so we <laughs> went to Amsterdam, Amsterdam, and then to Belgium, and then Germany. And then flew home, all for like ninety nine pounds or something. Wow, was the uh, was was the deal? Those were the days, (laughs) (laughs) and booked all the best hostels around, you know that kind of thing. And um, and and yeah, so then we 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 just went on the internet and found some teams in those areas. So we went to like Club Bruges in Belgium and Antwerp in Belgium, a couple third division German teams, and and just would we, we would rent bikes and 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 ride them out to the training grounds and. Um, and, and see if we could get a tryout. And we got tickets to a Royal Antwerp game. We got a try, uh, two training sessions in Germany, and that was it. And, and that's oh. all we got out of that, other, other than a lot of booze and a lot of other things uh, to have a good time. But uh, other than that, it was that was kind of how we ended up back in the UK. Again, those were kind of just experience ideas. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we always still had this slower, lower Ryman Premier League team to come back to in, in the UK. So as we ran out of money, that's what we did. That's, I mean, you must have had so many doors sort of closed in your in your face in the sense of, no, it's not happening. People don't just turn up at a football club and go, can we have a trial and can we do this? Especially in, in England, because the way the system is, that from a very young age, they're brought in, you know, eight, nine years of age now. And they're, 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 and football, unfortunately, is a cruel thing and not a lot of them make it. But for you to have the, dare I say it, the balls and the courage just to go, do you know what, stuff it. I'm just going to knock on this door and see what they say. The worst thing they could say is no. It, it's quite incredible, really, because that's all they said. They went, no. And that, <laughs> that was in, in the long run, that was the best thing that ever happened to you because the fact that, you know, you could have, Antwerp could have gone, actually, we do see something. And you could have, you would have snapped it up in a heartbeat. 100%. You know, and I guess I am always of that mindset. And I always say this is what design school taught me. You know, in reality, design school teaches you how to be creative and how to, mm. how to if, if you get to a dead end, how to get around it. You know, if you design yeah, anything yeah. in life, that's how you do. And in a way, this was me kind of trying to design my own life. So, you know, when you take those opportunities and you go, well, I'm going to just go show up at people's doors. You know, you also have to have the mentality built in that they're going to say no. Because mm. most times they're not, yeah, they're gonna. Yeah, yeah. So why yeah. would you get upset or surprised or take it personally when it happens? And so within that, I think I always had that in my mind, in my mindset of, of kind of this whole European experience was, okay, I'll go give it a shot. I know what I'm in for. I know I'm not going to show up at Chelsea's door and get a tryout right away. I know I got to earn that. And so, you know, let's take the few and limited opportunities. Let's get some life skill and let's let's go and put yourself on the line because you believe you can. And, and that's kind of the, you know, the basis of, of how it all started. And by the time you get to Europe, and again, I'm, I'm, going to these cool games and i'm seeing what soccer and football culture is in europe and i'm like whoa this yeah. is this is where i want to be if i'm ever going to be a player you know if i'm ever going to be a player in this culture this is where it's got to be so that that really kind of invigorated my my ability to keep going my ability to keep kind of getting that door shut in your face because again I, when you know your situation you're not surprised by by what happens in it and and i think i was just very much of that mindset i always knew that i was going to get you know very rarely did i think it would happen in a chance i knew i'd have to have a bunch of chances before I actually a could be the player that I needed to be 
And that, you know, again, that takes some humility of getting door slammed in your face too. Mm, And so within that, you know, I had those experiences and then, but at the same time I was getting better every day. I was improving. I was asking the right questions. I was talking to coaches after games being like, Hey, you know, you used to play in the third division. What do I need to do to get to that level? You know, I was asking those questions. I was being that person of, 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 of knowing that I had to get better. And, and I think all those things as, as, as my experience was getting better and my, and my, and my, my talent was getting better. It just really started to hit. And that's when that Northwood opportunity came about. I had been in the UK for a year uh, playing in those lower divisions, getting a pretty good, you know, I had tryouts at Oxford. I, I went to a couple of those kind of trial games where people yeah. from local clubs get released <laughs> and they get the, you know, the new clubs kind of try to pick them up. So I played in a couple of those, had some really good feed up, feedback from like Ian Dowie, um, you know, people like that who tried to, you know, he inquired about me through one of those games and nothing right. ever happened. But the fact that those things were happening, I, it just gave me that little bit of confidence that I needed yeah. to keep going, you knew, and, you knew, and, and that's what I, happened. I guess you knew you were on the right track if you know people like Ian Dowie, for instance, are, are making inquiries about you. You you just keep pushing in the, in that direction, I guess. A hundred percent, and you know, and, and and again, those little indicators is all I needed because I knew my situation. I was a twenty three year old American. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what? <laughs> who's gonna yeah. who's gonna give me a chance? The you know chances what I mean? unless, are I, not- unless I continue to earn it yeah yeah before you came to the uk had you ever heard of watford football club no <laughs> don't, don't blame you absolutely yeah. not no I, I mean again i had heard of manchester united manchester city fulham of course because that's what that's the team the americans played for yeah and so you know i didn't really understand the systems i didn't understand how deep they go the levels you can play the you know the Sunday League. You know I was playing Sunday League too, just to stay fit and and, and to get games. Right. And you know that's a whole other subculture in itself. So you know for me yes. to kind of be a part of that, well, to 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 kind of live in that for a while. It, again, it really taught me about the culture of the game. And 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 again, I really treasure those moments because as this, I kind of started to get the rise, you know, I, not only was it fun for me to you know to continue that journey with a lot of the people I shared the terraces with and in, in non-league, but mm-hmm. you know the coaches, the people I knew along the way, just made it that extra special i've always found the cult- culture in sunday league especially being an ex-sunday league player myself is to turn up half cut or hungover <laughs> and then be sick in the corner and then carry on that's that's kind of my background with with sunday league club. and that's yeah, why you never played your experience to me too <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you first came to watford's attention uh at a friendly game at northwood so watford were sent down what was pretty much a full strength team we sorry yeah sorry we found out why that game took place just the other day because we couldn't work out what brought those teams together it was over an old player uh scott fitzgerald, fitzgerald. yeah yep. yeah so we didn't because we, we couldn't really work it because watford haven't played norfolk for years i as I, say, mm-hmm. I live in norfolk but i'm a watford season ticket holder but it, it was quite funny how if that deal hadn't happened that game doesn't go ahead and it's just all those weird things that come together and it was just really really 100 really and then again they had just come back from the algarve cup which they had won so they they brought the trophy and then they they put the first team out mm-hmm. um so again all the if heiner helgeson and bruce dyer aren't up front that day and you got like you know somebody else Jamie Hand up front. You know, is Ray is Ray Lewington gonna take take as much notice to me because I'm playing against Bruce and Hyder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all of those pieces have to fit. I was at that game, the the, the Northwood game. And yeah. I remember you smashing 
Ida Helgerson. And for the minute, he was, I'm not having this, I'm not interested. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not interested. He started sulking, did he? Yeah, and I I reminded you, so I don't want to jump too far forward, but Mm. I I met you and Ida Helgerson, I think it was either the FA Cup semi-final or the final in the grade, in the box, just by... Uh, Wembley Stadium. Heide yeah. Helgerson had had a few beers, may I add. Actually, so did you, I think. But <laughs> yeah. I reminded Heide Helgerson, I said, I saw you. The only time I've ever seen you scared is when Jay Demerit smashed you apart <laughs> at Northwood. And he laughed. He was like, yeah, he was like, he did. <laughs> well, and Ray Lewington, it says, always says that that was kind of the moment he walked up, up to him after the game at Northwood in the locker room and was like, what'd you think of the center half that was playing? And he said, fuck, he said, he, he, said he gave me a hard day today. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, whatever, whatever that conversation was. And that, and, that, and that conversation had a huge effect on him going and talking to, to my, to my Northwood manager at the time and saying, what's up with this kid's story. And that's kind of, again, how it all, how it all kind of, how the story goes. Mm. So you're offered a trial after that game weren't you with Watford it was it was a two-week trial a two-week trial um, I, I played the first week with the reserves so I got some, a, a couple pretty good games in there uh, 90 minutes and, and and got to show kind of what I got and yeah then famously you know again we had one more preseason friendly I hadn't even trained with the first team yet and you know Ray calls me to his office and he says so oh, Terry Terry tells me you've been doing pretty well with the reserves you know we got one more high profile friendly this uh, this week uh, against a team called Real Zaragoza I'm not sure if you've heard of them they're from La Liga etc cetera, etc cetera. he says well why don't you, you know, why don't you come to the to the Vicarage Road on, on on the weekend and we'll and we'll get you involved and so I'm thinking like you know I'll get the I'll get the the name on the team sheet or something or, or you know get to sit in the big cool chairs on the field or something you know what I mean like that <laughs> literally as the as I ever thought I would go because you know again you'd think that naturally you'd have to train with the first team first before you get the actual first team opportunity to you play with them so. in front of 25,000 people yeah yeah and again I gotta say it was a ballsy move by Ray Lewington as well to put me out there I mean again imagine if I get ripped up and 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 their their forward scores two we get you know you don't want to start your season after a, you know you know what I mean that's a big risk and yeah yeah, yeah. and so yeah. but but again I walked in on the you know he didn't tell me and and so then again I walk into Vicar Road on that day and my name's on the whiteboard as part of the starting 11 and next to Ardley and Cox and these guys and I'm like I've never even trained with these guys I just saw them in the cafeteria what? <laughs> at lunch <laughs> you, you know what I mean I've never I've never nice. never never got to play with these guys on the training field so it was kind of this shock moment of course our oh shit moments that we have to have in our in our big moments in life but um you know I, I that was kind of it for me and and I I went and had a good conversation with myself and you know eased the fear and and, and thought you know this is why I've been sleeping on someone else's floor for the last year plus and trying to figure out how I'm going to f- afford a new new pair of can of beans you know what I mean with my <laughs> yeah, 40 yeah. quid that I make yeah. on a Saturday you know I haven't been over here for a year making 40 quid a week to to, to fuck this up <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean like that's the worst mindset I could go in thinking oh my god I'm scared I've never played with these guys you know this is what I've been waiting for for a year and yeah. a half so you know you got to get out there and do your job and that's you know when I got in those big moments from then and for the rest of my career that was kind of always the mindset is that, you know, I get to be this person. I get to be the one that gets to go out and challenge these things and, mm. and be the one that people get to sit there in those stadiums and watch and want to be. So, you know, go out and be that. Don't be scared to. 
and, yeah. and so that's kind of uh, was always my mindset as as, as I as I went through, and, and those mindsets definitely always served me, and it served me on that day. And Ray Lewington, you know, I did enough. I think we lost two one. I remember Ashley Young scored like a thirty five yards volley, and he, he used got to the do place that. going. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and uh, and that was kind of it. And, and and so then he kind of called me into his office, and he says, you know, I I didn't mean to put you out there today. Uh, but sometimes as a manager, that's what we have to do. You know, we got to make a decision on you. And I wanted to throw you in with the big dogs and see if it, and test you. And, and uh, you know, thankfully it worked. And and that kind of started the whole Watford, the whole Watford thing. And, you know, I, I got good people in front of me, Sean Dyche, Neil Cox, you know, the good thing about those guys is that they, they were a bit older. And then, so they needed yeah, to kind of yeah. groom the next generation of center backs. And again, I was thankful that I was able to have those guys next to me for that first season. Cause you mm-hmm. know, famously, you know, Sean Dyche breaks his, you know, he actually tore his groin that year and I got six weeks in a row yeah and so and then I ended up playing 30 games so you know Sean moved on after that year and I'm not going to say I came and take to, and took a spot but at the end of the day out of the day they, they couldn't keep Daisha or, or and Cox at the same time and so mm-hmm. you know they they kind of had to make those decisions and you know those injuries allowed me to step in and, and play next to a guy like Neil uh Neil Cox who who really kind of helped me learn the game early that first rookie year and and was able to kind of hit the ground running so what year was this was this the oh three oh four season yes it yeah. was yeah, yeah, so yeah 2000 2004 no actually no it was 2004 or five actually five, is when yeah, it was five. beginning it okay yeah because it was five uh five six was our promotion and six seven <laughs> so you only our... had one season under ray lewington then because then that's right ad boothroyd yeah. came in after that didn't he that's right yeah yeah that was a that was a brave move from watford because i remember when ad come in and he was this young you know manager with little or no experience and everyone was like oh you know this is a this is a step back for Watford here we go mm. and how wrong we were because what went on um mm-hmm. which we'll which we'll, we'll cover I'm sure but um I, I just wanted to just go back to when you you, you came through so you, you you've got you've done the Real Zaragoza game and human instinct is to go you, you've got a certain a certain point that you've got to get to in your life and then when you get there you've done it great and then it's feet up time done you you come across even talking to you now that you're, you're very much not like that you're always looking for the next thing and the next that you know to go again your career obviously shows that because from the moment you sign that contract I mean just take me back into signing that contract you could have just gone yeah I've done it I'm a professional footballer mum dad I've done it I'm a professional footballer that's it done and and you would have been probably happy with that. What is it that you have? I don't know. I just don't understand you. What is it that you have that goes, right, next thing, I want to do this now. And, you know, it's a drive. It's an ambition. There's something, and I, you probably don't know yourself. I, I, I don't know. It's just that human nature to me is you get to a level, you go, right, I've done it. I've achieved it. But you don't. You go, I want to go mm-hmm. again. Well, I think, I think, well, I think it's a, uh... I mean, a that's a great question, and, and I think it is the million dollar answer. And, and I think, um, you know, for a couple reasons. One is, is is that in my life, I've I've proven to myself over and over again, and thankfully, I had done that so many times before I got into this situation. In, in you know that 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 when you work hard, when you believe in something, when you put in the the purpose and and, and energy required to achieve that thing, more times than not, you'll achieve it. If not, you'll re- you'll achieve a different result that you're still happy with. Yeah. And so within that. I've always tried to continue that to every situation that I that I do, and that's to make a team, that's to start a business, it's to to be a coach or the best coach that I can. It's you know you, the results are right there in front of us if we're conscious and we're looking. You know, they're, 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 our work is 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 a is a byproduct, and you know our result is a byproduct of our work. And you know, my I went I went to the UK with the purpose to be a professional footballer. How far I get again, that's to be seen. But at the end of the day, 
it took me a year and a half to get to that moment that you talk about where I am now a contracted footballer and I'm, I made it. Mm. And again, like you said, and that's, yeah, yeah. It, you know, again, we see this all the time with the young footballers that go through residency programs, they get to that 18 year old contract and they think they made it. They go get their mm. three series BM and they think that they can walk into the, to the, to the training ground in a different way. And in a way that's right, but in a way they've only started again at the bottom of the ladder. Correct. And so yeah, yeah. within that, not only through my own experience and just having good coaches or different teams that I've been on is that situation is very life-based it's not just sport-based it's life-based and 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 when you get to the top of your of of, of what you want to achieve now if you're the good good player at the top of that thing now there's going to be people after you anyway so whether you're at the top of the bottom or at the top of the ladder or the bottom of the ladder there's always work to do and and for me that's always just been in my mindset because the proof has always shown me that and and i guess uh, you know again that was just another example where okay I get a contract. Yes, I call my mom. Yes, and I always say this when I tell these types of ideas or mindsets is that you always have to enjoy the small wins. Don't ever take those away. Mm, yeah. Don't don't be a workaholic. You know what I mean? I get people that work hard and I'm one of them, but at the end of the day I still enjoy my wins 100%. Mm. And and it's those little things that kind of get my reset buttons going. And so for me that was it. That you know, I got to enjoy it. I got to prove myself right. And, 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 and that's always the biggest victory for me, you know, because a lot of us will have a chip on our shoulder and say, we made it. Screw you. Or I did it because you yeah, told me yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, but yeah. then again, that also creates a mentality. That, okay, and now you could have done it. Easy. You could have said that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you do when you do things for yourself first, that really allows that mindset to keep going instead of finishing. And so, yeah. you know, that was always part of it. Always making sure that, you know, because, again, I did that because I thought I could not because somebody told me I couldn't. Mm. You, you, you know what I mean? And there's, yeah, there's yeah. a big difference there in that mindset. So yeah. that was always, that was always kind of built into, into why and why that was able to keep going. Because again, my mindset very much shifted into your point was great. I made it. I proved myself right. And thankfully I got to prove to other people that I am good enough, but now I have a year at a professional team and I'm behind the eight ball again. Yeah. So now I got to make this team. Now I got to be a contributor on this team if I'm ever going to get a new contract. And so again, I'm looking down the line. I'm not looking at my, you know, 25 grand that I got to sign for, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> You know, you know what I mean. So, it, you know, again, I, I guess humility has always been built into me and my upbringing. I've been, a, I come from a good support system of coaches and people that always applauded my efforts, but made sure that I was humble in my approach. And, um, you know, I had good advisement in that my whole life. So, you know, again, I, I, I lead by that and still do. And, and I'm now trying to do that with my son too. Is just, you know, you got to work for what you believe in, and 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 from there, it's it's the world is your oyster. And, and for me, that's really the mindset. And, and in the end, that's really what the mindset I've created throughout my life. And 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 it's. Because because of a lot of those reasons but in this instant yeah it just i went right back to that mindset okay great you made it pro good enjoy the pat on your back but now you're back on the bottom of the professional yeah. ladder so you better you should better to keep again. climbing yeah cool no, so cool. your second season then under <laughs> ad boothroyd this new guy comes in like carl says we didn't know a lot about him but it became clear very quickly that he was very very ambitious where were you with the whole philosophy of Boothroyd because I understand on the first day of training he set a sort of a bus arrangement up in uh, in one of the rooms and said who's getting on the bus with me to the premiership and all this sort of thing and some of his ideas were a bit out there um, where were you with uh, AD and some of his uh, some of his ideas and philosophies um, I mean, the first thing I agree with, with the sentiment, I think all the players in that locker room looked at Boothroyd come across the ticker and we were like, who is that? How do you say that name? <laughs> you know, I think all of us were in the same boat there, but you know, I think what we all learned very quickly was a, his, his infectiousness. Um, you know, when he had his first press conference, he was positive. He had the spark in his eye. He, he believed in things that no one else believed in. That's for sure. And, and that's kind of what that first day I, 
I remember. I just see him coming in like this cowboy off his horse and all of us going, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, cause he, he doesn't have credentials to be acting like this. I know that. And this is, you know, I'm watching, you know, Malky and then Alex Chamberlain and those kind of guys that have been there and are now, you know, five, six years older than 80 booth right at the time. Yes. Going, you know, who yeah. is this cowboy? Yeah. But you know, again, then 80 started to show it and he started to prove his work. You know, he'd have guys around his shoulder every day going, Oh yeah. We need to think taking guys for laps, having good conversations in our meeting rooms, asking us what we wanted to do, asking us what we believed in, but still being super positive and understanding that, you know, he had this whole kind of group mentality thing, hmm. um, which, which he led with uh, from, from his off. And I think that was a smart move again, because he didn't have any coaching experience. So he knew he'd have to have the veterans on his side. He knew he'd have to be, you know, the cheerleader for a lot of us young bucks who didn't really know what we were doing yet. And I think, you know, AD really managed that really well. And I think he brought that in as his best quality. That season, uh, I just remember really, really enjoying the football. Uh, I just remember that as being a season where I thought I'm really, really enjoying the football because it looked as though there was a brilliant team spirit. It looked as though you'd all sort of run through walls for each other. Um, it was also rare that if we did, oh, it's rare now that if we went behind, we could go on and win the game and win the game comfortably. There was just a real belief and team spirit in, in that team. It's rare now, is it? It is rare now, Carl. When, when, can <laughs> you remember when more. we last went behind and then won a game? I, oh, can't. God, I wish we would. Long, long Jesus time ago. Christ. Long time ago. So, yeah, what I'm saying is there just seemed to be a fantastic team spirit in that team under AD Boothwood in that first season, certainly. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, and I think what I've, I always talk about that team is, is is we really had that wide range of character. And I think that's that's crucial for any team that's successful is, you know, you need your core group of leaders. And again, Gavin was our our quiet leader and his captain with his work ethic and his ability to just, you know, be be consistent. Hmm. You know, Malky and, and, you know, Alex and those kind of older heads you know, were, were vocal leaders. Um, they were they were people that kept people like me in line. Hmm. Uh, some of the younger guns like me, A.D. Mariapa, Lloyd doily you know these are these are guys that wanted to work for and wanted to be warriors out there but we didn't really know what we were doing so you know we needed that little bit of a guidance you know to, to have us stay in or to have us stay in line or to push up and you know that that kind of mix we had a good good mix of kind of young energy and young young people that were willing to put their heads through walls for people but yet mm. the, the leadership group down the core that really kind of kept us in line and then you had the talent positions you know you know young young ashley young who was actually starting to show his talent at a very high level yeah. at that point um he, him and Marlon King had a great working relationship and a personal relationship. They loved playing with each other. They, they inspired each other. And I think that really brought Marlon out of his shell. And, and, and those were in Marlon's, um, you know, glory years. The guy was unstoppable. He was on fire. He was on fire, Marlon King. Yeah. Him and he Henderson could, he, he up would, front would, just looked unstoppable. Yeah, and, 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 you know, then you got the Bash brothers and, and, and you know, him and, and Henderson that, you know, like playing off, you know, I've never seen Darius Henderson in his prime bully better center halves than anybody I've ever played against. And I've played in a world cup and, you know, for for real, like the way Darius Henderson, you know, took John Terry, Rio Ferdinand and just roughed him up and just didn't want to play those guys. They didn't want to play him. And I I did very few people. I saw him or not him, but other, other people do that to those types of players. And Darius was one of them. And so when he was, you know, in, in that time, he was scoring goals too. And, you know, he had a mm-hmm. little bit of a dry spell in the Prem season, but yeah. the, the championship seasons, he was a force. And and, and between him and Marlon and, 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 and all the, the rest of the skill positions we had, and then you had the worker bees like myself and, and, and Lloyd and, and Matt Spring in the middle, and then you oh, got the, the, Spring, the leaders yeah. down down, yeah, the, yeah. down the core. Yeah. You know, James Chambers on that team too. Yeah. So, you know, again, you're talking about another workhorse that would do anything for his team. And then you get, you know, again, the, 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 you know, the real difference makers. And then you get the leaders, and then you got 80 going, hey, 
you guys are all awesome. Let's yeah. let's all just you know let's all just be together and let's let's all be the guy that real ringleader that pulls the strings and keeps everyone positive and belief belief systems in the same same way. And again, that's when special things happen, and but, that's what happened with that group. But as a fan, you could tell that you could actually tell that from where I was sitting in the stand that. This is a team that love playing together. They, you know, they're, they're being directed by someone who actually cares and is giving them direction. It was just a wonderful season to watch, which obviously culminated in a very, very special way and finished in a, well, a, a day that I'll, so you'll never certainly forget it. I'll never forget it. Um, so I, I, I can't remember it. Yeah, well, you'd had a few drinks. <laughs> I was so you? drunk. I was so drunk that day. <laughs> so, so if we, if we skip through that season, I mean, there were some very, very memorable games. I remember uh, Sheffield United away was a brilliant game. I was just talking about Henderson and King that day. They ruled that mm-hmm. game. Yeah, that was a big. That was a big one. I remember that one. Amazing game. Uh, so, so eventually we find ourselves. It looks as though we might be going into the playoffs. I remember. Um, after one of the games towards the end of the season, A.D. Boothroyd had everybody stay behind because he wanted to practice penalties uh, in front of the rookery end and he wanted all the rookery end to put the players off as they took a penalty so that it sort of simulated what it might be like in a final. Oh, 100%. And, and I remember, you know, again, I remember, and again, as a creative guy and, and a kind of like a design thinker, I was always thinking that I was always impressed with AD's ability to step outside the box and for him to keep everyone there and have the rookery end stay. And, you know, again, that's an engagement. At the end of the day, that's yeah, a community yeah. engagement that allows players and fans to connect. So in the end, we're all in it together. And yeah. that's the idea. That's how you become successful. And that's how success on a big picture level mm. and a big picture thinker happens. And, 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 and I, and I love that about 80 and, and that's an example of that. And, 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 and even more famously after that, before the Wales game, we drove on the bus four days before the game to Wales and had walked into an empty stadium. Oh, right. And, and, oh, and, I wasn't aware and, of that. Okay. And uh, yeah. Oh yeah. This story is great. And so, Five to four days before the the big game in Cardiff, you know, he could see us on a little bit on edge. Most of us hadn't been there before. Malky was the only one that had really been in those situations before. Uh, thankfully, again, but he had been in a lot. So he was a great influence on us at that point. But I think 80 could feel it. And remember, 80 hadn't been in that situation before either. <laughs> so I think he could feel the pressure cooker a little bit. And, and so four days before the, the game, he, he gets us all in the locker room and he says, hey, we're getting on the bus today. We're not changing. OK, we get on the bus two hours into a journey and we're like coach like where are we going oh he didn't we tell you where see- you were going did you no, say get on the bus mystery yes tour. he didn't he didn't tell us <laughs> and so and so we start seeing signs for whales and we're like oh we're going to wales guys like we're a bit early and so we we literally we, we we drove into the cardiff stadium you know they have that little you can drive the buses right underneath the stadium and drive the stadium walked out into a dark millennium millennium stadium and, and again, there's only one one spotlight onto the field, you know, just, just for a little bit of light. And, you know, again, we had this big circle mentality where we'd always go in the circle and guys would give different speeches or AD would give a circle circle speech after a Sunday game. And so the circle was kind of our, our, our thing. And so we went into a big circle on the, on the halfway line and AD kind of gave this big speech about, you know, how each of us started at the beginning of the season as a person and a player. And then he kind of said, now you're this person and this player. And he went all around to every staff and every person and gave this whole kind of talk and speech about where we, how far we had come as a group, but we're here now. And so the whole idea and the message of that was when we walk out on here on Sunday, we can actually act like we've been here before. And wow. it just sent chills down our spines, but it also just, it gave us this release of pressure and it allowed us to really 
walk around the stadium for the day. And we went up in the boxes and had a, uh, had a lunch and then drove home. You know, it was a long day, but for a prep, for a mental capacity to cope with the experience, it was a genius move genius because it really move. allowed us, it really allowed us to, you know, to walk out there on Sunday, which we did. And anyone in the world that ever watched that game that day saw that we walked out in that team on that day as, as with the team that was never going to lose. No, exactly. We were ready. We were pumped. We were, we were so prepared for that game. And we had been there before four days yeah. earlier to, to walk through the experience. It's often said that Leeds United lost that game in the tunnel. Well, have you ever looked? At, have you ever watched? The, yeah, the I mean, obviously, show I, the two. T- it's, in the, so, it's in the it's in the documentary yeah, too. Yeah, I was I was so drunk on the day. I mean, the atmosphere was great, but I obviously you don't. You see let that yourself down here, Carl. You really are. No, no, I'm going to tell it. I'm telling it how it <laughs> no, is. I love it. I love I'm it. telling it how it was. Yeah, I was so drunk that day, so I don't really remember the day. But I remember winning. <laughs> but the one my 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 fondest memory of the day was before we got into the ground, we were obviously in the pubs and everything around the ground, and the Leeds fans were so adamant. Yeah, they were. They were, they were so adamant. They'd won. They, they were, were, you know, why, why are Watford here? Why have you bothered turning up? Because we're Leeds United. We're so big. We're this, that, and the other. I may have been drunk, but the, I've never been more proud of coming out of that ground mm. and looking, not looking for trouble, don't get me wrong, I'm not like that, but looking for Leeds fans to say, you know, where are you? And <laughs> we were so, we were just, the, the trip home was the best. It mm-hmm. was the best ever. That and game. That's, that's down to you and down to the to the players on that day. You it, know, it's it, amazing. It, there was an incredible atmosphere in that ground that day. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was just Definitely. absolutely, because oh, I think the, the roof was on, wasn't it, as well, which obviously amplified mm, it everything. Was, yeah. But yeah, it was just yeah. absolutely and, incredible. I mean, it was just, and like you say, the cool. team's come out, there's all these fire things going off and everything, and, you know, there was a, a team that were cool and focused, and there was another team that just didn't really look as if they were that confident. And They'd lost. It They'd showed lost. It, when you look back at it now, you can see it. You see, even the manager, if you watch that, the manager walks into the camera because he doesn't know where to go. He's like, Ugh. But wasn't the AD Boothroyd's manager? Yeah, he was. I he mean, was. they worked yeah. together, didn't they? Yeah, so that yeah was they worked together. Yeah, and, and AD had a bit of a thorn in his side about how that left and, and, and all this kind of stuff. So, I think, you know, again, all the pieces fit, uh, all the work had been done, you know, and again, it's not like we walked into there and we weren't prepared or we were just happened to be, you know, thank our lucky stars that day, you know, like mm. we were, we were so well drilled. We hadn't let in a goal in three games. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we, yeah. We, had, we had, we were, I think we still are the only team in, in, in championship history to keep a clean sheet through the entire of the, of the playoffs. Wow. And, and so, and so we came, we, we came in, we weren't letting goals in, uh, mm. you know, again, Marlon was on fire with Darius up front and mm. we came in confident but at the end of the day you know again that was a year's worth of build up that was a year's worth of sitting in those circles and learning about each other and and, and having each other's backs and, and 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 knowing that you know a team is bigger than the individual and when you play like that things things like that happen and you know again 80 was the real driver of that mindset for sure all season definitely was, was your goal a uh, was that a set piece that you practiced or is it you just felt well, it, yeah, gonna... it was practiced, but I was generally uh back post um, mm. or penalty spot. You can see like, but I, I see Rob Holtz cheat. I, if famously, I, I take, I say, I watch him take a two steps to the left. Cause he knows he, I'm at the top of the box and I see him take two steps to the left. Cause he knows I'm going there. They would have done mm. his research. And I'm just like, I'm going to, I'm going to cut inside this time. And so I, I kind of fake like I'm going right. And I just come right inside him. And sure enough, you know, again, like I don't remember much about that play. Um, I wasn't drunk, but you know, they always <laughs> say that you, uh, that you, you forget things in, in big yeah, moments yeah. like that. And I just, the last thing I remember is again, and I say this very famously in the, in the dive is, is that ball coming in it's just like a laser I, I you know there's so many people around there's there's 
22 players out there. And I just remember the ball. I just remember the ball scene. I think I can get on this. I think I could get on this. And again, I didn't even notice that there was a 220 pound goalkeeper in my way. You know, again, like he, <laughs> these guys are massive and Melky and, and Grieger are wrestling right in front of me. But I just, I just, I just remember that pinpoint of I can get on this, I can get on this. And then the thud yeah. of what that feels like to get Ashley Young cross whipped onto the, your forehead. It doesn't feel great, but it definitely uh, puts, it's, it definitely puts some power behind that. And then yeah, you, sure connect, enough, you connected with it. I'll give it that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. And that's, that, that's literally what I remember. I remember the thud, me blacking out and then remembering that like with everybody, there's a top of the box where like, kind of the whole team's like just yeah. kind of on top of me. Yeah. I'm standing there and there's a whole circle around me. And that's kind of the, that my next mem- memory of kind of like running back to the center circle. We were talking, we've, we've spoken to um, Nick Wright. Nick Wright scored the overhead kick at Wembley in the 99 um, playoff final. And his, his reaction is very similar. He remembers connecting with the overhead kick, doesn't really remember anything else, <laughs> and then woke up in a pile of men. You know, like, yeah. what's, yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. on? And so it's just like, obviously, the, the adrenaline and everything that goes on through, through your body just shuts shuts it down yeah it's incredible yeah and you know again the, thankfully the you know again what we did do was was understand that that was just part of our plan you know mm. our part of our plan was to get a goal and 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 to, and to stick to the course you know we didn't get out of sorts i didn't go and start making plays and trying to do things you know we had a, such a strict game plan that day and and again it just showed you know we were we were militant that day and the goals kept coming because we just took our opportunities because again we were prepared for those two darius had worked on that penalty in front of ten thousand people at the rookery the year the week before yeah so yeah. again like we, yeah. we you take confidence into those plays because you've done it and you know what it's going to feel like at least on a level where you can take that confidence into that experience and i think that's that's really what we did on that day we had we had played through that we had been in that stadium 80 had played it through us a million times darius had taken that penalty a bunch you know i i I had i had visualized that corner you know what i mean like there's all those pieces that really again seem like they're a lot but when you put them all together it's amazing that those types of things happen and again they didn't stand a chance no Uh, i mean so the the second goal was a bit of a strange goal james chambers goal that sort of looping looping into the corner neil sullivan kind of gets it and <laughs> a strange goal. Well, uh, there are also moments where you just know it's your day. Absolutely, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, when, and when that happens, <laughs> when that happens, yeah, 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 we knew. And then yeah. obviously, Marlon gets fouled and. Darius blasts it in. I mean, what is the feeling when the whistle blows after a game like that? Not just because you've played so well, but because it now means that next season, Premier League player. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, the first thing was, you know, I actually got to, you know, I I think I had, you know, 20 of my non-league friends and coaches, my parents and my brother had come over as a family for the first time. Um, you know, so there was all these kind of deeper meanings too, for me too, as well as, Definitely, you know, just yeah. what it meant for the team. And, uh, you know, that, that lap around the stadium when all the Leeds fans are gone, that, that's a really interesting experience <laughs> yeah, when they, half the stadium leaves and there's they didn't no hang around. fans yeah. Yeah. and <laughs> every <laughs> fan on the other side stays. Yes. So yeah. it's like, it's, this, it's this really unique experience of like you know in, in these neutral stadiums. So that I remember that being pretty pretty cool. Um, and then and then um, you know the, the the trophy presentation is kind of when you get it. Yeah. And then but but again you don't really get it until the press starts to call the day after and says who are you looking forward to most the next season. Right. And, and so that that was really when it really sunk into me. It's like oh I actually have to think about playing against Manchester United next season. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the schedules aren't out, but you know they're you're going to be in it. So, yeah. you know, that yeah. for, for me was kind of the first realization that I'd be playing in the Premier League the next season. And 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 your memories of playing in the Premier League. I mean, which players that you played against stand out for you as being players that you thought, "Oh, now I know I'm in the Premier League." 
Uh, Drogba for sure, number one. Oh yeah, uh, he just ran as rampant for those couple years. Like, yeah. You know, Danny shit too, and you know myself, and even Malky the year before that. Because I think around those times we were we were drawing Chelsea in the FA Cup every year too. Yes, <laughs> round, and, always a third round. And and and, and so we ended. Up, I ended up playing against him five times. I think he probably had five goals in those five games, and he was just a nuisance because you couldn't beat him in the air, you couldn't beat him on the ground, you couldn't push against him. He couldn't. You know, he hit it from twenty five with a volley. He'd push it past you if you tried to dive in you know what i mean he was just one of those guys that, yeah, that wow. really had that full athleticism that i couldn't match you know i can play against wayne rooney all day long because i can match him physically i can jump with him i can you know those type of guys i could you know fernando torres at liverpool or whoever you know those those types of players i could always you know at least have a game with yeah but you know the guys like like Drogba were always the toughest for me because i couldn't i couldn't beat him in the air i couldn't i couldn't beat him on the on, on the ground so you know that was kind of uh the, those types of guys um trying to think that was that was stevie g was was really he was the first real player where i looked at and, and understood there was a difference between being a premier league player and being world class right yeah uh, that's always the story we played them i remember and um I, I first saw it in the fa cup semi-final which we got to the carling cup semi-final which was my first season yes um, yes but, yeah, but yeah, that yeah. in those times steven gerrard was just taking full control of games and um i remember just you know he took a he took a ball from his left back and put it about three feet across the ground uh, above the ground and hit it about 45 yards, three feet right off the ground in one row, one frozen rope um, to, um, I can't remember who it was in stride. And I just looked at him and I just re- remember to myself that I'm in a whole new world. Here. Yeah. <laughs> and this I need, to, I need to keep, <laughs> but Steven, yeah, Steven, Steven Gerrard was the one who kind of really taught me that. So that, that season for me wasn't one of the best seasons, obviously. I don't think we did particularly, I mean, I remember going to watch us play against Charlton and you're thinking we're going to beat Charlton. And that was a nil, nil. Well, losing, losing, uh, losing Marlon that year was, was, was massive our blow. Yeah, know, yeah. He was our goal scorer. He was our yeah. confident, confident leader up front. And, you know, losing him. And again, remember the first couple of games, we were right in them. Yes. And, and, you know, we, we yeah, beat yeah. Blackburn. Um, you know, again, we if, if Marlon would have stayed, and I say this, that, you know, if Marlon would have been healthy that year, I honestly think we would have stayed up. Because I think we ended up having seven or eight clean sheets that season. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was, the, was that the FA Cup semi final with Man United? That it was season? at Villa Park. Yeah. Scored, didn't it? Yeah. 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 That, that's the first season I ever thought. Actually, yellow shorts. Yellow shorts, with the yellow shirt. <laughs> yeah, the all yellow. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. So you would have played. You were playing in that Man United game, weren't you? That semi final. Yeah. So yeah, you were playing yeah, against uh, Ronaldo was, uh, and uh, yeah, it's Ronaldo, and Rooney. Yeah. Rooney had been yeah. up front yeah, like yeah. for them then. Yeah. So you stayed with us for six seasons. Yeah, six and a half seasons. Yeah, yeah. I was there for from from two thousand three to two thousand ten. And uh, yeah, I ended up, you know, again, I got the honor of being the captain. You know, that's one of the reasons I really stayed. That was, you know, a great time for me when I had grown into a leader in the, in the, in the dressing room and we had, you know, we had come down and I, and I realized I was a leader uh, of that locker room. And and for me to, to, for, to have 80 offer me, you know, the captaincy to stay and and, and to say, no, I want you to continue to be a part of this. And Mm. again, we famously had, we're going straight back up. And then we ended up getting, you know, um, Darius got injured and yeah. a couple other injuries and we dried up scoring and then we ended up limping yeah. into the playoffs and lost to Hall. Yeah, I remember. The and, I remember you know, that, was, yeah. that was that was my captaincy test. I remember that that being a real <laughs> test of what it was like to be a captain because okay. 80 took it away from me. 
really um at the end of that season yeah because right. i was just i wasn't playing very well and i was trying to carry being a leader before i was carrying my own performances okay uh, it was a great learning experience experience for me uh, that's for sure and you know he gave it to me the next year as well but um you know i learned a lot through those years and, and how to be a leader how to you know how to transition from being a walk-on to a to a leader is you know again that's a whole new mindset of, of, how, of when you're in, in a pro so you know I, I valued my time with Watford I'm still so proud that I didn't end up going anywhere I, and that was for a reason you to know, be fair I, I as, it's, a, it's a, as an undervalued trait in, in, in footballers these days as a, fan, yeah. as a fan I'm glad you only ever played for Watford because it's it's special you know it, the fact that we've had someone we that's got done this. to keep Captain America absolutely that's what I said. <laughs> it's, it's, it's because you know not not any I don't think any other team can say they've had a player with your story so for me it's special right. that you stayed at Watford you know and I, and I think I, reci- I, I reciprocate that too you know and I think you know that was the, the reasons you know there are some tough moments when you when you think about when you're at these crossroads of your career and you know Stoke and some of these other teams were on for for me and I'm like I'm going there for fucking money and that's yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean like, yeah, yeah. and, and I didn't I didn't come here for money I, mm. I I didn't I didn't go there for money I, I money was a bonus for me and, mm. and again that's why I stayed and tried to make it because for me it was about the culture and the experience and, and and about being something better than yourself and you know that that always was apparent for me in my time at Watford you know Watford's a, a club that's a small club but at the end it's bigger than ourselves and and you feel that you feel that as as, as a collective at, at Watford and again, only Watford fans really understand that. And all all teams of all teams will probably say that. But I, you know, again, I'm friends with players that have played for other teams, and they don't say that. Really? They don't. That's and, really interesting. And no, you know, Watford's one of those places. It is. It, you feel like it's, or you're just a part of a big family. And and uh, and 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 for me, that was special. And especially coming from a place like Green Bay. That's the only other professional sports team in, that I've ever been a part of or, or even seen that feels the same way. And I think, again, there's serendipity in a lot of these things. And I think for me to come from that culture uh, and, and then to, to be landed in a place like Watford that had that culture, I think, again, you know, it, it, it says a lot. And, and, and it definitely, you know, makes you appreciate that journey even more. I think it's worth adding that um, Stoke uh, during the winter months is probably colder than Vancouver. <laughs> so you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have enjoyed it anyway so. there is no doubt if I had a multiple choice play where would you rather spend your winter Stoke or Vancouver I, yeah, I know, I know which going, answer yeah. I would say yeah that's for sure <laughs> I just wanted to sort of touch on one thing like again and I'm not going to go dwell back on it but you, you got to you got to a level where you know you're professional football you played for Watford you played in the Premier League surely surely there's nothing else in the in the Jay Demerit story that, that can happen and again you go and prove doubters people wrong and you you put the stars and stripes on your chest and you play for your country I mean what an honor that must be yeah yeah I mean and, and famously you know 27 years old was my first cap and in and, and, and again I, I never thought I'd play for the national team until I became a professional footballer but then all of a sudden your vision changes, your perspective of, of what you can accomplish changes. And, you know, again, you kind of touched on it earlier in your question of like, how do you keep going or how do you keep mm. trying to refocus and, and and stay out of your comfort zone, I guess, is a good way to put that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And, and, and I guess, you know, for me, it, it's A, being comfortable in that situation. Being comfortable outside your comfort zone is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a nice place for me. I don't know why, but it just is. <laughs> yeah. And I, but again, I've learned to like it. I've, it's, it's in things that, I, yes, there's, there's natural ability and everything. But again, you've got to learn to like things. And I think I, I again, I, I always would see the back end or the, the success that maybe would come out of the back of getting out of my comfort zone to try to achieve things. So I guess that was always built into it. But, you know, the other side of that is, 
any dream is to play for your country and 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 for me not to play in my country and get my get my status and my and my and my my professional experience in England and then all of a sudden to 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 work my way up like I had any other team on the US national team it took me 4 years to get to that starting role and then the one team that you end up getting to start with in the world cup becomes England that was so ironic <laughs> the, the team the team that I, gives I, you, you I know, just gives knew, you I, your chance and just, and it was just kind of one of those things I just knew that Jay Demerit was going to score against England. I, I, I had dreams about it, and I was like, oh, God, he's a wonderful player, and I'm really happy for him, but that's my country. Yeah. I was kind of dreaming that too, and I'm kind of glad that it didn't happen. It, I'm glad it didn't happen. I'm sorry, yeah. Because yeah. we all saw what happened to Maradona in that, uh, in that world. Yeah, that, didn't, that Italy, didn't end well so. for him. No, that didn't no, end well for him. No, no. I'm, I'm glad that didn't happen to me. And, and I just got to you know play play a game against Wayne Rooney and do pretty well. I think that's all I wanted to get on that did, game. So, Did you have any input into the build-up to that game from obviously the, the – is it Bob uh, – what was the manager's name for USA? Bob Bradley. Uh, was it, was Brad, it, was it was our it. Yeah, sorry. I didn't yeah. want to – yeah, because he was at Swansea, wasn't he, if it, the same yep yep yeah that's same, it yeah same guy, yeah so did he ask you for any input or was there any you know for the guys that had been playing in england maybe yeah I, I mean there was there was those talks for sure you know again you had tim howard clint dempsey carlos yeah. bocanegra you know these guys are all all very you know at that time very uh very very experienced Premier league players so we you know we had a good view of of what we were to expect that game Again, the good thing about Wayne Rooney coming off such a great season that year and being Premier League Player of the Year is that it takes a lot out of people. It's a long season knackered. in the Premier League, so I knew that I knew that if I could, you know, I had had a couple more weeks off than he did. I think that I knew with a competitor like him that, and being a competitor like me, that I could test him if he was a tired guy, if he'd been off a long season. You know, I could I could go in and and just a a a compete with him and match him athletically and not let him touch touch the ball without pressure and I knew I, I knew I could do that um and, and again I played with a guy uh named Aguchi Aniewu who who um who played for AC Milan at the time but you know he's 6'4 220 I knew he'd be wrestling with uh with with um um Emil Heskey so again my focus was very on Wayne Rooney that 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 day because you know it was very like for like stay with center halves stay with the forwards and so you know again I I, I always kind of relish those challenges because you know there's only one favorite there so i don't have to come in with any ego i just come with come ready to compete and because the rest of the world thinks he's going to roast me so if he does like what's the big deal and yeah so that's yeah. kind of the there's no pressure on i you, always took really no and that's always the you know the, the mindset i try to take into those types of players or those types of games is that you know the world's not watching and the only thing the only way is up for me you, you know what i mean so I, but if i can go in there and affect him which i knew i could mm. um that, that we could do okay and and um you know, again, we knew that from the front, you know, we guys like Michael Bradley and this other uh, other guy named Ricardo Clark, very much like the Matthew Springs of the world, you know, worker bees, guys willing to close the ball out down on either angle. Um, and, and so we knew we could close him down from the front and I could I could be up him right from the back and 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 and, and we'd cut down his space and just not let him breathe. And, and, and you know, he was he was he was ineffective that game, you know, which and thankfully for Robert Green, my famously my agents, uh, only other player in the World Cup was me and Robert Green. So that was an interesting game for him uh, as a spectator in the stands in yes. South Africa that day but uh, uh, that's the other kind of funny story about that game too is, uh, is he only had two players in the World Cup me and Robert so that, was, that must have been an interesting ride home that was that an interesting night. ride home for <laughs> is it another step up from playing in the Premiership to playing in a World Cup in terms of pressure and in terms of play I would say I would say yes 
Um, not not a ton, um, but but definitely yes because of the pressure not to let your country people yeah, down. Yeah, <laughs> quite. It's one thing to always yeah. to know to let fans down if you make a mistake. You know that's always in the back of your head. But when you got your your country's stripes on, you know there is that heightened pressure of like I'm letting down my country if we lose. <laughs> yes. you, you, you know what I mean? There's, yeah, there's yeah. a little bit that, more. I think that's worse. That. I, I think that's worse in this country in in England. Oh, um, worse than any other country. Yeah, because it's the worse and this because is, the media. It, not not the yeah, fans. A hundred percent. Yeah, the media make it out to be something it's not, and that, that's all. In, that's in a way, always... that's, that's an American trait too. You know, America, especially from the press side, really cares about football once every four years. I mean, they don't really care about yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. In, in in between, so I would say that we can almost. But again, the pressure isn't the same. But the 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 media pressure alone, from the U.S. standpoint, because now all of a sudden we're the biggest media outlet in the world, and now all of a sudden yeah. we care. Yeah. Um, and whoa, now what's this U.S. team going to do? And how can they win us a World Cup? Because that's the U.S.'s number one goal. Is how what day are we going to win the World Cup? And then we got to start those stupid conversations. So it's like there, 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 there's those types of pressures that, that we definitely feel from the state side. Um, but but the other side of that was was just you know the opportunity is is once every four years the world stops and watches football. Watches. So it, it does. It's that it's that pressure that mm. comes with that I, that I think makes it a little a little bit more of a heightened experience. So we actually asked some of our podcast listeners to come up with some questions. First question comes from David Lavender. He asks, who is your favourite partner at centre-half, if you had one? A few that come to mind are Malky, Danny Shittu, Mariapa, Clark Carlisle and Williamson as well. So did you have a particular favourite? I guess where he's favourite, not when who buys the beers, probably who you wanted to play with. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, there could be favourite for many reasons. Yeah. But uh, I, think, I think overall, um, I'll, 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 I'd have to say Mackay uh, takes it, mainly mm. because it was just such an important time in my career to, to yeah. play with a guy like him next to a guy like him because – you know, he really helped me understand the game fast because he was a guy that put pressure on me. And again, I was someone that really liked the pressure. So I learned fast under Melky and I had to because I was 23 years old and, and, yeah. and, I, and I needed to learn fast because I didn't have much time to make mistakes. And I think, you know, he really was a good mentor for me uh, in the best sense of the word. You, you know, he was my roommate towards the end of that, you know, most of that season because AD started to do that, which I thought was smart, you know, pairing people pairing to play up. next to each other. Um, and so that, you know, our hotel conversation were smart I you know I had intelligent conversations with him about lots of other things outside of sports so he really kind of from a mentorship level made me understand the game better both as a player and just as a as a, as a perspective in general to help me understand the culture of the game um, you know his story again as is, is, is was one of grit and one of determination in a lot of different directions too so I kind of looked to him for an inspiration at, at that um, and, and 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 lastly I think we just worked really well together you know you know you always there's one thing to be a good player next to another good player but you still have to work well together and i think we just complimented each other really well you know he he was big and 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 and, and didn't like to turn and run and i was small and like to listen and turn around and run so <laughs> it, it, went it, well. was, it was <laughs> it seemed to work very well and you know again our performances seemed to speak to that especially at the end of those seasons that we played together and um it, it, you know i think so him 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 would definitely would, would take the cake as as to who my best uh, center partner would be well there you go david that's that answered 
David Pardon asks now a little bit of politics here. We've seen on uh, your Instagram page that you've met the president of the United States. He wasn't the president then. What was uh, David asked? What was that like? What was what was that? What was that about? Um, well, I mean, what a day! You know, you know, it's pretty cool. Any team that goes to the World Cup for the United States, you stop at the White House on the travels there. I and so we were, we were on our yeah yeah exactly yeah you know we don't I was gonna say we could take your plane Prez but you know well, that's not let's, uh, you know British Airways is fine you know what I mean but uh, um, that, that it was kind of one of those one of those experiences where you just find yourself uh, you know putting on this jacket that says White House visit and you know you get to go and thankfully you know, again Obama and, and Joe Biden at the time you know Obama had come into office it was such an incredible time in America you, you know and, and he was so well respected by a lot of the athletes and and and, and people that um, kind of lived in that world, and and so for that was the first thing was was that we got to meet Obama, and and and, and because he just represented so many different things on so many levels on on humanity based, you know what I mean? And and I think that was the, the first excitement you get when you when you get to meet a president like that. And secondly, you know, we all think of what's going on in there. You know, you, yeah, you, yeah, you get yeah, to see yeah. the Oval Office on TV, but you never actually see what it's like or how big it is or you know all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of how it works. You go there, you get to meet them. Uh, they kind of take us as a team on a tour throughout the rooms. So. Um, you know, you get to walk through the Oval Office and, and, and just to get to see where he sits and what it looks like. And um, and then and then we went through this thing called the War Room, which is like their long table uh, where yep. all the flags of all the countries are, are long through this one room where everyone comes in when it's wartime and everyone's at their seats. And, you know, and that kind of you walk a mile in the shoe of what must go on in there and the stuff mm. that must talk about it that really puts you in the moment of how serious kind of government can be um, um, so that was kind of that experience and then we finished in joe biden's office so we, we all walked in and then joe kind of sat there and again he he famously um these dignitaries they, they they each have a coin and a coin says who they are and what what level of of of, of rank they are in in their government so you know this is a, you know it has the white house and his his uh, his house on the back where Joe Biden lives. It's on the back and it says uh, by, from the office of the president or vice president of the United States, Joe Biden. And it's got this line kind of eagle crest on the front. And so, you know, he gives it to all of us and he tells us these stories. You know, it's a pretty intimate story about how every dignitary has these coins. And it's kind of like a poker game where like, they all come to these parties and these things and, and how the coins end up in competitions from who buys the drink to who's going to take, who's going <laughs> to speak, speak first at this event. Like they, they, they trump each other with these coins, no pun intended. And, 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 so, and so within that, you know, he starts telling these stories. And, and, and so then he gifted us all a Joe Biden coin. So, you know, now that to come 10 years later to see him now in office and my mom I, I i talked to my mom a couple weeks ago and i'm like mom see if you can find that coin and all of my you know memorabilia stuff at home and my parents have it there in their basement in these bins that i'll eventually have in, in, a, in a big office someday you know that's kind of the idea and and, and so you know i kept to live relive those memories but you know what i know about joe biden and his experience and my experience with him personally is that you know no one could be better to take charge right now in a, in a tumultuous mm. place like America. And, uh, you know, just to, just to level the ship, you know, and he seemed like a yeah, really level headed yeah. guy. He's been in government now for 50 years. So if you think about, there's anyone that's seen it all, yeah. um, you know, he's and, done and, it, and yeah. can write the ship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He, he, could, he could be a good choice, but uh, yeah, you know, you, you treasure those moments and it's moments like yesterday that really make you believe and, 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 and how cool those moments are, you know, you kind of yeah. forget about those kind of things and, you know, 10 years on, you're not, I'm not thinking about that every day, but when you get reminded of it, like days like yesterday, today it's 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 good fun to to know the experiences that we've all shared and and especially as an individual what uh, i got to be fortunate enough to to experience along the way 
Amazing. Absolutely very amazing. Cool. Very cool. This is from Jason Grace. Jason asks, after the friendly you played against Watford, so at Northwood, did you come off the pitch thinking you'd had a good game and they that Watford might want to sign you or you had no idea? I mean, I, I think any player knows if they've played well. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely would think so. And, and, and again, I knew what those players were because we had I, I'd done I'd done my a ton of research, but I knew who Heider Helgeson was. That's for sure. Heider Helgeson knew who you were afterwards. <laughs> yeah, well, afterwards, yeah, thankfully. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, th- those kind of, that's what I think about in that moment. I just remember going into that game knowing I got a real good opportunity here to play against two really good players. So, you know, do your best. And I remember, remember coming off and my, having my coach, um, um, his name was Del Dinas. He, he was the one that, that kind of just gave me this wink. I remember coming off and being like, you know, give me this, you know, you know, as you do like, well, you know, way to go kind of son kind of, kind of idea. And I just, you never know what's going to happen, but you know, then I, I start to know that they were looking for center backs. And, and so that's kind of what my non-league coach told me. He's like, you know, I know they're looking for center backs too. Mm. And so that kind of started the conversation. So, you know, again, I was just, you know, grateful that, that Ray Lewington took the most he could out of that day. And, and, and again, that they played those guys up front. The last question. Now, this question is, for me, the one I need answering as well. I've got my own opinions of this, but you've actually played against <laughs> both. So um, this comes from Jay Green. Messi or Ronaldo? I thought that might be the question. <laughs> um, okay, well, I, I, I mean, I, I do kind of explain it in this way, is that what I got to play against, I always call him the 70% Ronaldo. Okay. When Ronaldo had just gotten to Manchester United, yeah, he was he was flopping all over the place. He didn't he wasn't strong yet. He it was, was like a gazelle, wasn't he? Newborn. He was so fast <laughs> yeah, he could yeah, cut in yeah. off the line, but he was he wasn't the Ronaldo that he is now. Yeah. And so I always have to say I have I have I have a different skewed ver- version of that Ronaldo. Um, if 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 I if I go in the versions I play against them, then Messi takes the cake hundred percent because I got to play against Messi three times, uh, all in a, in, a, in an Argentine tina shirt um in big games so yeah. again it, it wasn't a big game but it was a friendly both friendly games in giant stadium though in new york so you're talking eighty thousand people in downtown new york you know argentina is going to be up for that game so i got to play yeah. against him in his kind of heightened senses even though it was a friendly but either way argentina in new york at that giant full giant stadium is going to get them pretty pumped to play so yeah. i did get messy at his best and and i will say i, I mean I, I would say messy and i'm gonna i'm gonna go with messy anyway just because I, I just love the way that he plays and i Again, uh, um, from a team perspective, I see him bring more value. Um, and then yep. the other side of that, it's just from um, he's just he's more he's the most elusive is the word I use when I talk about playing against Lionel Messi. And, and the story I say is like if any of the listeners have older brothers or sis- siblings, or if the time that you played against the teams that were older than you, you know, like I had a brother that was three and a half years older than me, and I used to go out in the field and try to play football with him, and I would yeah. like try extra hard because I was playing against the old kids. Yeah. I would. Try Try, uh, you know, try to do things that I don't normally do because I'm playing against my brother and I got to be on show and make the big play. And you, you and, and then you end up chasing shadows. You end up a half a yeah. second late and you end up getting beat up because you're trying too hard and you're doing things yeah. out of character to try to, I don't know, be something that you're not. And Messi makes you do that. Yeah, Messi makes you because you can't get to him because he's just he moves with the plays so well that you can't like mark him and he moves around. So he's not really positionally based. He'll float to the center back to get the ball. Like I'm not, I'm letting him go, you know, 40 meters before he actually goes and gets the ball. And so he's so elusive. So he just goes drifts throughout the game and you just can't get in touch with him. You just can't affect him. 
And because that's what you got to do. You got to affect his first touch to, to, you know, to make sure he plays it backwards. You got to affect his run behind you and get in his way so he can't, you know, he can't beat you with his pace. But if you can't get to any of those areas to actually affect him, you, can't you just him, can't yeah. get to him. You just end up getting frustrated. And 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 and, and I know I share the sentiments of pretty much ninety nine point nine percent of the defenders that have ever played against him. <laughs> and it's and it's that it, it's just this elusiveness that you just you just get frustrated because you can't quite get him. Yeah. <laughs> and we're trying to get him. We're trying, we're trying to get, to get him harder than that. <laughs> we're trying to step on him, get him, grab his shirt, you know, whatever you can do, like to to affect him. And literally, you, I I couldn't affect him. I just could not affect. Blimey. Well, in- incredible, incredible. I think it's, um, I mean, that's the end of the questions. I think for, from a personal point of view, uh, from me to you, I just want to, uh, above all, say thank you. Say thank you for wearing a Watford shirt. Thank you for being the, the captain that you were. Captain America, in my eyes, it, it was an honour it was, it was to watch you play and wear and wear the shirt at Watford and that, that goal, despite how drunk I was. Um, <laughs> It still means a lot to me. So, uh, yeah, massive, massive thanks for that, Jay. Yeah, I'd echo that. Uh, I'm just really glad that uh, you only ever play for Watford, like I say, because it makes it special. Um, And you're one of those players that just... Is, is going to be remembered for a long time at Vicarage Road. Um, you know, there's there's really only a handful, um, and you definitely will be remembered at Vicarage Road for a long time. So, for, for me to talk to you this evening has been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure, guys. Thanks again. Jay, Thanks, guys. Take care, brother. Take it easy. Take Cheers. it easy. Well done, mate. Cheers. Thank you. Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.